Hi, welcome to Pause Pop, positively pop culture, where we talk about all the things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm your co-host, Carrie Gessner. KW couldn't be here today, but we have our friend Aaron with us to continue our talk on all things nostalgic. This week, we're talking about Taylor Swift's re-recorded album, Fearless, parentheses, Taylor's version. So we're just going to hop right into it. Okay, we're both big Taylor Swift fans. We're going to segue into different kind of music now. But it's all about nostalgia. It is. <laughs> all of our it topics is. today. <laughs> you are totally correct. And I talk about Taylor Swift all the time on the podcast, which is why it's probably good that KW is not here. <laughs> she would be like, again? <laughs> yes, again. Well, I'm never I'm never going to say no, let's not talk about Taylor Swift again. Yes. There you go. All right. So, we're let's just let's just dive in. We're going to talk about Fearless parentheses Taylor's version, which got re-released, well, released. Yes. Yesterday as of when we're talking about this. So, it hasn't been out for very long. Do you want to give us a little background about why this album has been re-released? Yes. So Fearless was Taylor Swift's second studio album back in 2008. And at the time that she had signed to her previous record label, part of the contract was that they would own the rights to her first six albums. And that is pretty standard practice from what I understand. But when it came time for her to renegotiate her, her new contract, part of what she wanted to do was be able to own outright her, her songs from her first six albums. And that ended up not working out. And she ended up leaving her previous record label, joining a new record label and having to leave those first six albums behind. At which point, I think the label was bought by a company belonging to a person who I don't even want to name <laughs> because it's not about him <laughs> today. It's about Taylor Swift, but a person that she's accused of, of bullying her in the past and being behind a lot of, of difficult times that she went through. He, so he then, his company owned her master recordings. And they've since been bought by another company, but he would still profit from, from their distribution. And she's not a fan of that idea. <laughs> and she's not a fan of the fact that she doesn't own the music that she, that she wrote and made and that's yeah. hers intellectually. I would not be a fan of that either. Yeah. So what she started doing was refusing the publication rights of all of those songs from her first six albums, which means that they can't be used in like commercials or TV or movies because she still owns the copyright on the songwriting for all of them. And she would have to give her permission for them to be used anywhere. And she refused to do that. So now those songs are just kind of sitting there. And what she decided to do was to re-record all of her first six albums so that she would own both the publication rights and the master recordings and she could so that she could she could own her own music. Yep. 
And she's not the first artist to have re-recorded her catalog in order to own her own masters. But I, I feel like this is kind of on a bigger scale than what is typical. Yeah. So she's re-recorded this album that she wrote between the ages of 16 and 18 and put on the, the bonus tracks from extended versions of it and also six new songs that she calls From the Vault that were in conversation, I guess, to be put on the album originally, but ended up not going on the album. And so there are 26 songs on Fearless, Taylor's version <laughs> that has just come out. That's a lot of songs. Yeah. So, Carrie, I don't know if you've noticed any differences between how the new version of Fearless sounds versus the old version of Fearless. Not really, because it's... I mean, it hasn't been that long since I've listened to the older version, but for that sort of stuff, I really need to listen to them back to back, and mm. I haven't done that yet. So I haven't noticed much, except that obviously she's like 30, 31 when she's recording this. So her voice sounds a bit more mature, which lends it an interesting air because she's talking about some very high schoolish <laughs> things in it. <laughs> yeah. But what have you noticed? I think I agree that the, the vocal quality is a big difference. I think that the only songs that I notice that like the differences really stand out to me are the songs that I listen to most from that album that are on the most of my playlists, which are okay. Love Story and Fearless. Okay. Those were the ones that I had to kind of take a second to get used to the new version. Okay. But I agree that her voice has really matured from when she was 18 to now when she's 31. And it's kind of filled out and there's a more mature tone. Yeah. Although I think that on some of the songs where it's more appropriate for her to sound younger, she still kind of does. Like, I think on You Belong With Me, she still sounds pretty young. Mm -hmm. and, but then on a, lot of the, on a lot of the songs, the more mature tone actually really works really well. Yeah. And I think that in kind of the instrumentation and the mixing, something that I noticed is that you can hear a lot of the individual instruments more for some okay. reason. Like on Love Story, you can really hear the violin part, the fiddle part uh, <laughs> more, mm -hmm. more distinctly, which I think is pretty cool. It's There's less kind of like, I guess, a less of a smoothing effect on the, on the music, um, so that more... <laughs> Makes sense to me. I don't know if that's a technical <laughs> term or an incorrect term, because I don't really know a lot about music. I... I'm afraid to ask my brother-in-law who <laughs> records music, <laughs> but I might maybe in the future. But yeah, this is just so everyone knows we are two music enthusiasts <laughs> who don't really know how to record an album. <laughs> That's correct. Don't know a lot of music theory or music tech at all. Mm -hmm. But I do know that she got back as many of the people that she collaborated with on the original version of Fearless as she could. So her old band and Colby Calais does background vocals on Breathe again. Cool. Those are, those are the differences that, that I've noticed. Mm -hmm. So you've talked about Fearless and Love Story were some of your favorite tracks from the old version. Do you have 
different favorite tracks from this new version? I know it's only been out a day, but... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but I've listened to it more than once. (laughs) So yeah, I do. I think that there are some of the tracks that I feel like get have more depth to them now with Taylor's more mature voice and that almost work better coming from someone who's 31 are 15, which is a song that she wrote as an 18-year-old looking back on being a 15-year-old and basically saying, when you're 15, you don't know anything. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you don't know how your life's going to turn out. Mm -hmm. And maybe the things that seem important to you when you're 15 aren't really aren't really going to be that important in your life. And so her recording that as an actual adult sounds much more like there's more weight to it. Mm -hmm. I feel like so when she says, you know, as like the first woman to win album, the album of the year Grammy three times, I didn't know who I was going to be at 15. Yeah. It, I (laughs) feel like it means more. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because you and I are both around Taylor's age. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when I listened to that song for the first time yesterday, I was like, this is a, it's just a really interesting to look back and be like, who was I at 15? And who am I now? And like you said, with, with Jennifer, like you want to be really hyped up about the person you were and, and the person who you, you were should be really hyped up about who you are now. And yeah, all of that looking back and and growing up, just thinking about that stuff is really interesting for me. Yeah. So yeah, 15 affected me a lot more than I thought it would, yeah. actually. And I think that it's really interesting, like just thinking about doing a project like this, where you have to, like memory and remembering stuff. If you listen to any of Taylor Swift's discography, is something that she brings up a lot. And she brings it up both as kind of her grounds for authority in speaking as, especially as a young woman, being able to say, no, this happened. And this happened this way because I remember it happening. Mm -hmm. And you can't say it didn't because I remember. Right. And also memory tends to be something that she seems to be prey to a lot. She talks a lot about flashbacks and like remembering things at inconvenient times and having these emotions called up because her memory is so vivid of things that happened in the past. So like just kind of intellectually thinking about memory in Taylor Swift songs is something that I think is interesting. Yeah. That's like my my grad school brain thinking about. I was just going to say, I feel like you can write an article about that. Yeah. If someone wants me to write an article about that, tell me a venue in which to do it, because I will. (laughs) But that she has to now do that in kind of a literal way to confront her younger self. And if you're doing this album, if you want to re-record this album sounding as close to the original as, as it can, then you can't do it kind of rolling your eyes at your teenage self. Yeah. You have to like go like look at your teenage self and love your teenage self which isn't always (laughs) easy it is sometimes very hard yeah and the fact that you know as an author I've been writing for a long time but 
I haven't, I didn't start publishing until I was like 26 or something. So the idea of people reading something I wrote when I was 16 is terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Not only because it's bad, because it's probably really vulnerable too. And the the fact that she can do, uh, that she did it in the first place, and then she has the strength to confront that and be like, yeah, I'm going to re-record all the stuff that I wrote when I was 16 to 18, and I'm not going to be embarrassed about it is really kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, it helps if, I guess, you're Taylor Swift. And (laughs) yeah, (laughs) like listening to, I think even listening to her vault tracks, the, the songs that didn't make it onto the original Fearless, I think we're listening to to those I texted you. It's this weird mix of a teenager wrote this and a teenager wrote this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and when I say that, it's the level at which Taylor Swift was writing lyrics and performing as a teenager is the point at which a lot of artists peak. Like if she was just writing at that level as like a 26-year-old, you you wouldn't bat an eye at it. It would be like, yeah. Yeah. Especially because in songs like 15 and in songs like You All Over Me from The Vault, she's writing in this kind of retrospective perspective. She's looking, she's using that memory and doing a deep dive into the past. And yeah. And she'll, she, so when you get to the points where it's like, oh, a teenager wrote this, it's either because her perspective isn't as evolved as it seems like she's trying for it to be. Yeah. Or, on the other hand, because she's writing about a teenage perspective and it's so dead on, which when I first heard Taylor Swift back in 2008 was what really impressed me about her, which is like, when I learned that she wrote her own songs, I was like, of course, that makes perfect sense because this sounds exactly like what a teenager is thinking about and what a teenager yeah. cares about, like an actual teenager, not a, an adult writing about a teenager. Right. Yeah. And and when we say that, it's definitely not a bad thing. No. That a teenager wrote it's it. Perfect. But <laughs> it is. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's probably, you know, one of the things that really connected with her fans too because mm-hmm. they grew up with her they're a lot of them are the same age or close to the same age so when she says you walk through the door it's your very first day of high school you're like oh yeah i remember that day yeah <laughs> i also was terrified <laughs> like <laughs> when when she's saying you know she's cheer captain and i'm on the bleachers you're like yes i've i've been there on the bleachers yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> and like now we're sort of like okay well in our 30s, we don't want to, you know, pit women against women. But mm-hmm. when you're 16, you're yeah. like, yeah, she's so much cooler than I am. And yeah. I'm sitting here in the band. <laughs> yeah. And it's somebody, I, I can't totally take credit for this observation because I saw somebody post it on like Tumblr or something. But when she writes about like both being in love with someone, admiring them, and also admiring just how beautiful they are and being envious of how beautiful they are. That's a very teenage thing. Like sitting there and saying, God, I wish that (laughs) I looked like that. I wish my life was like that. Yeah. I spent so much time as a teenager (laughs) thinking those thoughts. Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I just, sorry, I just keep thinking about the fact that, like, all of Taylor Swift's teenagehood is out there for public consumption, which is so scary. Well, not all of it. I'm sure there are things she didn't write songs. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. But, like, also at the same time, it's so authentic. And yeah. that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. And she, in her, on the introductory note in the CD, she talked about the album as a whole as whimsical and effervescent and chaotic, which I think is such a perfect description of the overall mood of the album. Yeah. And of, you know, an 18-year-old, an album that's written by an 18-year-old. Yes. I do want to bring up, okay, so we... (laughs) I don't know if I would call us Taylor Swift super fans. No, no, there there are bigger ones. <laughs> yeah. I think because we're both readers and writers and into lit, we you could correct me if I'm only speaking about myself and not both of us, but I feel like we're very very much into analyzing her lyrics and mm-hmm. just looking at how she writes and all that stuff, but for reasons we <laughs> <laughs> we both watched an old documentary <laughs> called Journey to Fearless. <laughs> <laughs> you just said for reasons. <laughs> <laughs> for, for reasons. The reasons are our book that we're writing yeah, together. But <laughs> for research reasons. <laughs> for research reasons. <laughs> so we're, we've just kind of been interested in the behind the scenes of music and all of that. So we watched this documentary and you and I still talk about how today <laughs> in it, she's like, I just want to love... The things I love, and she likes sparkles and glitter and costume changes <laughs> and surprises. She said, like This tour has all the things I find <laughs> fascinating in life costume changes, sparkles, glitter, and the element of surprise. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> like now, it, it seems very silly, but I, I think about that a lot. I do too. <laughs> yeah, especially when I'm listening to this re-record because like you said I think it's I think it's very special of her to be able to just fully embrace who she was at 16 18 and that's just really cool I'm probably hitting the same point over and and over again that that person is still there yeah and valid inside yeah and that you're you know that you're part of you is always going to be the person that you were at that formative time and she still loves sparkles and glitter and costume changes and the element of surprise watch any of her performances it'll include at least three of the four (laughs) (laughs) and i think just for someone who maybe struggles with confidence a little bit that's really interesting for to see because it sort of softens my own view of my teenagehood and my just myself now even mm-hmm. I'm like you know what you are allowed I don't maybe don't love glitter as much as she does but I do I love you're al- <laughs> you're allowed to love the things that you love and even I say this even though I was embarrassed by loving the cranberries today and I'm a little embarrassed right now <laughs> by how much I love Taylor Swift but it's it's like a reminder to be kind to yourself both yourself of today and yourself from from the past. So. Yeah. I saw that her collaborator on her last two albums, Aaron Dessner, who also produced some of the vault tracks for this, referred to this as an effort to reinterpret and reclaim 
her past, which I think is really a really cool way of looking at it, especially because because of the way she had to leave leave behind her original master recordings and kind of how obviously painful that would be. And that I think brings me to the other track that I think from the original Fearless that I think is amazing in the re-recording is Change, which is the 13th track. Yeah. And that is about, I looked it up in the Genius Lyrics annotations and she originally wrote it about, apparently about her struggles with her previous record label when it was really new and really small and they were really struggling to get established. So to have having to re-record that now would obviously come with a lot of baggage. But I feel like so much of it also applies to what she's doing now and to just what she and all of us have been through in the past 13 years. Mm -hmm. So that now you're getting lines like, so we've been outnumbered, raided, and now cornered. It's hard to fight when the fight ain't fair. But we're getting stronger now. Find things they never found. They might be bigger, but we're faster and never scared. You could walk away, say we don't need this, but there's something in your eyes says we can beat this. And tonight we'll stand, get off our knees, fight for what we worked for all these years. Mm -hmm. That's really powerful in this context. Yes. And the way that her voice has matured really works with that. Like, I feel her voice really grew into this song, which has always been a very big song. Yeah. And... Like, the way she holds the long note at the end just <laughs> is, like, heck yes, Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always been one of my favorite songs, and I really like the re-recorded version of it, so I'm just excited. I'm excited about this whole thing. I'm After this, my plan is to go to the park, and I'm just excited about <laughs> being able to listen to this in the car on the way there, and then as I'm walking through the woods. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but... Do you have do you have a favorite vault song? I think that Mr. Perfectly Fine is my favorite vault song. That's a good one. That's a bop. It is a bop. <laughs> I really have a soft spot for kind of spiteful Taylor. And she's just <laughs> so, it's just so sarcastic. And it makes me laugh. And I like it a lot. Yeah, that's a good one. Do you have a favorite vault song? Um, I'm not quite sure yet, but I think I might be leaning toward Bye Bye Baby. Mm. Yeah, but I haven't, I haven't listened to it enough to really, I mean, I've listened to probably all the vault songs about like three or four times now. And that one just kind of sticks out to me a little bit. I like the chorus. I think it's pretty catchy. Mm -hmm. But I do like Mr. Perfectly Fine a lot, too. Yes. Yeah. All, all of them are interesting. Yeah. In different ways. Yeah, I think with a lot of them, you can see maybe why they didn't get onto the album, but they're still really good songs. Right, yeah. I also really like We Were Happy. Interesting. I think I need to re-listen to that one a little bit, because that one impressed me the least. Really? The first time through, yeah. But I think with all of these, I need to just kind of sit down and do like a close listen. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the tracks that I really, really like is not a vault track, but it's one I just didn't, hadn't really heard a lot before. So on the deluxe version of 
the original Fearless, she had a couple extra tracks, and one of them is Jump Then Fall, Mm -hmm. which I had heard a couple times, but not really, not very many times. And for some reason yesterday when I heard it in the car, I was just like, I love this. Yeah. (laughs) It's just very upbeat and like hopeful and it has some great imagery and like great lyrics about like when you shine, I'll shine for you. And mm-hmm. and it's just really cute. Yeah, I feel the exact same way about it, which I don't think is surprising to you because we talked about it. Yeah. But yeah, uh, exact same. And I feel the same way about Untouchable, actually, also. Okay. Which is another one that I wasn't as familiar with before that I think is just really charming and nice and I like a lot. <laughs> I think I just realized I haven't, I haven't listened to the other side of the door yet. Oh, it's good. I think there's rain in it. <laughs> nice. Nice. Taylor and Rain. I love that. Also, I love that in the album, the lyrics by the other side of the door, she's covered in rain again <laughs> from her concert. What I like about the vault tracks being included is that it gives us some real insight into her craft as a songwriter. So I think that there was, when she first got really popular, there was kind of this narrative that built up around her as, oh, she she just writes songs about her feelings and all of her songs are autobiographical. And so she's just writing down her experience and what she's doing is just really effortless. And part of that was, I think, intended to be complimentary, like, oh, she's this like prodigy, but it also kind of trivialized her work a lot in kind of a sexist way Mm -hmm. and was pretty dismissive of it. And I think that in recent years, she's been kind of pushing back against that narrative and emphasizing more and more that what she does is work and it's hard work and it takes a lot of effort actually. Mm -hmm. And so in some of these vault tracks, you can kind of see the process where she's developed certain ideas and images and you know even if a song didn't make it onto an album and and she's talked about how she'll just have a lyric that she really likes that she'll save forever and ever until she finds the right song to put it in so in Mr. Perfectly Fine she has the phrase casually cruel which shows up later in one of her more popular songs from the album Red, All Too Well, in a line that's really, really effective. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she potentially kind of plucked that line out of Mr. Perfectly Fine, set it aside in the vault for a few years, and then put it back in to the song, A, doesn't mean that it's not true or anything. Because like this is a song that all Too Well is a song that for a while she couldn't get through without crying. So it's clearly oh. <laughs> like still an emotionally resonant thing. But that also craft goes into even the songs that are most emotional. Yeah. And like there's lots of kind of resonances between like You All Over Me and the song Clean from 1989. And I feel like a lot of the Evermore songs have some of the same kind of like ideas in these vault tracks that developed. And I don't know if that's because Evermore is at the top of my mind because it's the most recent one. Right. 
or if it's because she was re-recording Fearless at the same time she was making Evermore. Yeah. And those ideas were fresh in her mind. Right. But I think that that's really interesting. Yeah, I think so too, especially because as a writer, you sort of, or at least I sort of, latch on to certain turns of phrases or images. And I'm sure that I repeat a lot of stuff in my books and, and use the same themes and things. And I think sometimes it makes me a little bit self-conscious because I'm like, why can't you write about something else? Or like, why do you have to default to that turn of phrase? Or my mom's like, do you know you use the word trapes like three times in this book? <laughs> <laughs> no one uses that word. And I was like, well, it's a fantasy, okay? I can use it. <laughs> People trapes in fantasy, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but to see another artist just kind of leaning into that and and doing it enough where you could sort of trace the evolution of some of her ideas is really is really cool from yeah. a craft perspective. So I agree. If someone is going to listen to one re-recorded track, which would you pick? Oh, if it's like their their first introduction to like Country Taylor? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Love Story, probably. Oh, interesting. Because that's okay. a classic, right? It is a classic. You're right. And it's a classic for a reason. I don't know. I'm trying to think of my answer. I still get really hyped up at the end of Love Story. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> when I get to the Marry Me Julia, I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that key change? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I think I would pick, I might pick change, mm -hmm. actually. Yeah, I was deciding between that and Fearless, but I think change is going to win out. Yeah. So yeah, great. Anything else? <laughs> I really, really love Fearless Taylor's version. <laughs> <laughs> and so do I. And I think if you're a casual Taylor Swift fan, you will probably enjoy this. So check it out on Spotify, maybe, or a streaming service of your choice. Yes. And make sure it says Taylor's version. <laughs> In parentheses. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Erin, for guest hosting with me. This was a ton of fun, and this might actually become two episodes because we've talked <laughs> for so long. <laughs> I'm sorry I talk so much. Oh, my gosh. No. No, it's great. But yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really liked talking about all of this stuff with you, doing all of this travel back in time that we did over the course of this yeah. episode. <laughs> yes. And we'll do it next time Taylor comes out with another re-recorded album. I'll bring you back to the pod. And Yay. I'm probably going to watch some 12 Monkeys later tonight. So. Oh, awesome. <laughs> next week, KW's back. And we're going to talk about some more fun pop culture stuff. Pause Pop's theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at Carrie Gessner. And you can find the show on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast. If you'd rather email us, you can do that at positivelypopculture at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and safe and join Carrie and KW next time for another episode of Pause Pop. <laughs> <laughs>